0: You're listening to episode 233, How to Be a Soul-Rich Entrepreneur with Janesia Alora.
1: That's right. That's usually the most answers that we get. Ikea, Ferrari, and... McDonald's. So that's depending funny. of course which region that we are in, right? And yeah. and the fact of the matter is, what is the one word that you, you you want people to think of you in that instant when you mention your name?
0: <laughs> so mm. if
1: you are able to create a personal brand so magnetic and so strong and so awesome and memorable, that's that's when your business is gonna grow and gonna scale. Mm-hmm.
0: So that is personal brand for you this is the dance of life my name is tutor alexander and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind body and soul for living your best life yet tune in every week to learn something new grow and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment and if it's one thing i hope you learn from today it's that your life is a dance and just like any dance you can learn to dance it well What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, March 12th, 2021. Happiness is not the absence of problems. It is the ability to deal with them. Steve Maraboli. You know, it's a, there's an old line from a seminar I took, and I remember, I'll remember it forever. And the, the leader on the final day of the seminar told our group, she said, I wish you more problems. You know, there's always more problems in life. The question is, how big are your problems? This is, this is really the thing to pay attention to. and This is the key with business and everything else, I think. It's learning to overcome and, quote unquote, dance your way uh, through each situation. Today's guest has an impressive resume. I'm excited to share her with you. Her name is Janesia Alora, and she's a former Miss Singapore cafe retail chain owner and Southeast Asia woman of excellence in 2010, international progressive women, 2019 she's a business coach and she's awarded as a mentor of the year in powerhouse global, the founder of soul rich woman, the number one female entrepreneur and networker in Southeast Asia that connects more than 200,000 women across the region in the soul F membership program for the past 17 years. Genesia has coached celebrities, CEOs, politicians, has been seen as a leader on stage. Today, with the Soul Rich Woman Blueprint and SRW Academy, she mentors thousands of women to bring their business and leadership brand online. Before establishing Soul Rich Woman, Genesia was an owner of a cafe retail chain with a presence in three countries with 18 franchisees and licensees that successfully exited to a public-listed company after four years. She's the winner of two awards in 2014, the Franchisee and Franchisor of the Year, runner-up, By Franchise and Licensing Association in Singapore. She's also the author of Personal Branding Secrets, and her new book, Make It Happen: Secrets to Go from Stuck to Unstoppable Without Changing Who You Are, is now available. I'm so excited to have Janessie on the show. You know, she's a real powerhouse in her area, and she's helped so many, so many people really become successful. They are going to be sitting down and discussing her own journey of becoming an entrepreneur and how she had to support herself from she was. 14 years of age to now where she's a millionaire and a top business influencer. We're going to chat about how to grow your online business, what are some challenges facing women particularly in business today, and what it means to be authentic or create a personal brand, which are so important for business as you are well aware of, I'm sure, as well as other valuable topics of marketing and positioning yourself for success that she's learned in her vast experience. So, super excited if you know anybody in your life that this episode relates to, share it with them. Janessia is a wonderful resource in business and being successful. She mentors, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of women through her program. So very excited to share with If you. Want to get in touch with her? Go to soulrichwoman.com and on the show notes episode for this, this is episode 233 on the show notes episode on danceoflife.com slash podcast. Uh, I'm going to be linking in some special links there. You can go check out a discovery call with Genesia and some other great things in the the show notes post. Without further ado, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Here we go. Episode 233, How to Be a Soul Rich Entrepreneur with Genesia Alora. agree more <laughs> <laughs> yeah fun stuff well i'm excited to have you on the show thanks for being here
1: thank you for it's, having me it's on good your to show meet you. yeah it's fun I, I, I like that this is called international networking
0: you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's great i mean uh, i think i've met more successful people through this podcast than you know there's it's network- networking itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Than through networking honestly i mean it's crazy like if you think about like just the 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 opportunities that you get through having a platform to talk about something important, you know, like it's just, it's crazy. I've met so many, so many successful people that normally if I would have just emailed them and say, Hey, can we talk about, you know, whatever.
1: No, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk
0: to you. You know, it just goes to show you the value of, of marketing and, uh, and of positioning, I would say really positioning yourself. Definitely. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. Well, how long have you been an entrepreneur and what got you in it? I mean, what, uh, were you always a savvy? Were you the kid selling lemonades and lemonade stand when you were a kid, or how how did you get well, into entrepreneurism?
1: Uh, I think for me the big thing was because I was working already uh, since I was fourteen years old. So mm-hmm. the the time that I started to where I was going was that that's the that's the part that made me want to do something different with my life and already I did nine to five as an occupational therapist but mm. SARS happened and that made me even more want to move forward as an entrepreneur
0: yeah did you get uh, like why did you do occupational therapy what was is that something that you were passionate about or just kind of happened because it made some money
1: uh, in occupational therapy, in healthcare, uh, it's not just about money. You have to really yeah. have the passion to help people. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, when SARS happened, uh, you know, you think about people dying and, and things happening. I think dreams are important. Don't just wait
0: and see attitude. is not going to work. Yeah. It's rough. I mean, healthcare, especially now, I, I would hate to be in healthcare right now with everything going on. It's just <laughs> it's a rough world. Very very rough. That's that's it tough. Is. i, had a, I had don't a, take you for granted. I had a friend who actually had a hospice business. I mean, kind of slightly different, but it's still in healthcare. I mean, where they, you know, you take care of people who are basically dying. They're they're on their way out, and that's just like, man, I'm, I'm like, I would be depressed working having that kind of a business. It's it's very tough stuff. <laughs> yeah, hospice is tough, not easy. Yeah. I'm curious about your Miss Singapore too. Like, what? that that's a journey in of itself how long were you doing that and what got you into that and what did you learn from it
1: missing a poor part oh uh i i didn't join because i wanted to it was because encouraged by my friends my friends uh, enrolled me for the the competition yeah so yeah so it was a uh, it was something that i never really wanted to do but I was encouraged
0: to give it a try and i won so and this was just the first time you just entered it and you won yeah, first time. Wow. What was your biggest lesson from that experience? You really have to work your ass off if you don't start
1: <laughs> at the right at the right um, starting point with many other people. You really mm. have to work, put in the effort.
0: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the people you're we competing against were doing it for, you know, competing those beauty pageants for a while, right? I mean, serial yeah, they're, competitors.
1: Yeah, serial competitors, yes. <laughs>
0: Quite a number of them actually, so it's not
1: that easy. Especially when they have a lot of experience and they yeah. are quite quite well to do in terms of, you know, buying a lot of shoes. They have different types of clothes, and you know, in yeah. that point, if you're branded, I mean,
0: chances of you winning will definitely be higher. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's interesting to me because I I have a background also in competitive you know, a a competitive aspect that is very subjective. Let's put it that way with ballroom dancing and everything. I did that for a long time. And there's always a lot to learn in those situations because there is no finish line, you know? And I think that in many ways, those subjective types of situations are great practice for business too, because business, there is no finish line. You have to create your own finish line and your own definition of success. And so, I'm just uh, yeah I'm always interested when I hear somebody with that kind of a background what kind of lessons did they did they get from the experience <laughs> Yeah cool What what do you think was your hardest moment in business you've been how long have you been an entrepreneur
1: How long have I been an entrepreneur about yeah. 2016 now
0: maybe about 17 years Wow 17 nice. years yeah What do you maybe think is one of your hardest Lessons in that time period.
1: Hardest lessons. Yeah.
0: I think the the
1: letting go of old businesses or old business models that no longer mm. work and being able to move forward to the next one that, you know, you need to embrace new things. I think that willingness to change is something that is not so
0: easy to do. Mm. What's an example of something that you had a hard time letting go of?
1: Yeah, when you started, like for me, when I started my first business, it was a image consultancy, charisma coaching kind of business. Mm-hmm. I was teaching CEOs, leaders of companies and politicians and it was good money, right? But uh, yeah. when it came to a point where I was trading time for money, I work, I get paid, I work, I get paid, I don't yeah. want, I don't get paid. So the business model is not the model that I wanted. I want to move online. Yeah. So that's how I started to transit online, and you know, moving, giving up that baby business that you started thinking that that was going to be the first and only, the one and only, mm. that fairy tale ending. It's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, online is the way to go, and I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with the trading your time for money. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, there's only so much money that you need, and at some point when you start just losing time in having to be there to work for the money it's just it's a it's a rat race either way you know you're still in a rat race in some kind of fashion yeah definitely why do you think uh, online business is so important for people to get familiar with these days
1: well it's important to master online business because now that especially pandemic has happened uh you want to be found online the moment you're not googleable if i put in your name into the search bar and i won't be able to find you i think that's something that is not going to pan out as well so Mm -hmm. even though someone who is younger than you newer than you working less years than you you could be the best person like you have the most knowledge you have the most certificates but as long as you are not found easily online that's when shit hits the fence so it's important for you to recognize the fact that going online either through podcasting having a website or a funnel, whatever the method may be, it does not matter. You have to get your business online. If you want to get clients, you want to get leads, you want to be found, be respected and be loved. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the future. I wonder, you know, where where do you think it's going in the next 10, 20 years with, uh, I mean, there's so much changing right now, you know, there's so much changing. And it's like, I feel like we're sort of at a I mean, at a crossroads in the sense of we had this social experiment with these giant platforms, you know, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And it feels like those are kind of disappearing. I mean, they're in the next 10, 20 years, they're going to change. They're going to change in some way. I don't, I don't know if they're going to corner the market the way they are now. Uh, you know, where do you see online business going in the next 10, 20 years?
1: Online business will continue to rise in terms of voice marketing if you want to use and get seen and get heard other than videos that has about 2 billion YouTube accounts. And it's really tough to be found if you don't have a specific strategy. So I highly recommend you to explore voice marketing. And that is why I'm encouraging all my business owners in the community to get into podcasting because it's searchable and it can go out to more than 40 different platforms that already mm. ready listeners. And just by searching in itself, uh, whether it's Alexa or Siri, it's easy for people to find you. More than ever before. So if you like to do a business online, get yourself found and searchable because nobody will know what you're doing if you don't have a business, um, don't have you're not found online and you can have the best product in the world. You really have to get it out there and do your marketing even without running any Facebook ads.
0: Where do you think people get stuck usually trying to start an online business?
1: They're stuck by doing too many things and getting distracted of, oh, I need to have a website. I need to um, do up the most important thing, which is the operational part. Usually what we recommend is to get out there and make sure that people know you first. Do some pre-launch marketing to see if your products actually sell or will be um, loved first. Because you have to love your products, love your customers more than you love your product. So that's the main mistake that a lot of people make. They love their products more than love their customers. Mm. So you should love your customers more than
0: before you love your product. That's a great point because I think, you know, understanding who you're selling it to is more important than what you're selling in the first place. Right? (laughs) That's right. What do you think are some key strategies for people that they can employ when considering you know, or finding that target market, creating that ideal customer that they want to sell to.
1: I think the, the key thing is first really um create one thing that solves one problem immediately. In the gone are the days when I started my online business in 2013, making a hundred thousand dollars in three months and a million dollars within a single year, wow. when you just have an email list, subscribe now, or you know, download this ebook to do an online business or to do your to do whatever thing, it's gone. Gone are the days. These days, when in 2020, 2021 and moving forward and beyond, you really have to look at solving one problem immediately because that's when you will stand out and mm-hmm. be the only solution for your customers. So the first thing you want to be assured and taking note of, for example, let me share with you a context, would be would you want to get a downloadable book that teaches you how to play guitar in... 48 hours, or would you prefer a book that teaches you how to play My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion in three hours and impress anyone? Hmm. So you have to choose one that uh, solve one problem immediately. The second one I would say is to really focus on, you know, speaking to one type of fish or one type of customer. First, if you have a marketing budget of 1000 10,000, you have to start from one and start with one. Think about it. Sell to everybody, sell to nobody. Speak to one, speak to many. And mm-hmm. that is key. The last one is really to work on what is that irresistible offer? What is the glow? I think a lot of people, they when they start a business, online business, they are just thinking that offer is good for them. Remember, I talk about loving your customers more than you love your product. We have a $12 a month subscription here at Soul Rich Woman, and we have about 200,000 paying members. So we are serving the region here right now where people, women are earning 250 US, 300 USD, right? That is the, the salary of the women around the region, right? In this region here. So we are serving based on this product serving the region uh, to help them to go online by knowing what is ads what, what are the you know stuff that they need to need to do in their uh, to build a memorable brand. Say for example. And then we have products that is $50,000 for my mentoring and coaching services. We have a mastermind that's $100,000. That's big ticket item, right? And high value. And that's where we are serving people who have the budget. They want to transform their business from 500,000 to the next 1 million to the next $5 million. And that's how we're looking at it. We also have an in-between that serve the group. So about $500, They have, they can attend a one-day program to learn about podcasting, a one-day program, to learn about creating an online course, to do learn about live streaming and, and things like that. So when you create your product online, you really have to solve one problem immediately. Remember, sell to everybody, sell to nobody, speak to one, speak to many. Last but not least, your irresistible offer. Love your customers more than you love your product.
0: What do you think are the key elements of a online business we're talking about here, like structure wise, like a website, you need an opt-in, you need an email list, uh, maybe a Facebook page. What, What in your mind are sort of those key elements that people should always prioritize? Obviously it's a little different for, you know, the different types of businesses, but in your mind, what are things that people need to be prepared to, to know about or know how to delegate to somebody that does... I
1: think for me, the thing the first thing is that there's always different things I would say in an elements of an online business. Uh, for me, first thing would be sustainable, creating a sustainable business model. I think begin with an end in mind to that will be important. And then deciding what to do next. So that key would be setting up, I would say, your star. That means Okay you think about it as a magic wand okay you have a star a glow and a stick so the star is where let's say if you are in the sea of darkness or in a sea of sameness at this point in time and you need to make sure that your star really shine before they can see you so what does the star mean right That means it's your messaging. What are you saying in the online space? How consistent are you telling a story? What are you being pushy or are you creating value without being salesy? So that in itself would be the star. How about the glow? The glow is the part where people come to you without you chasing after them. And that is exactly the part I talk about. What is your offer? What is an irresistible offer? Love your products. Love your customers more than you love your products. So how mm. do you how does it look like? Okay, if you have an ebook, not more than three pages, I would recommend. Even if you have a workbook that's 12 pages, that's fine as long as you give someone that solved that problem immediately, no matter the industry that you are in. This is applicable for any industry at all how about the stick well the stick where the moment you catch the fish or the client comes in they see the star they see the glow is satisfied both factors they come and then they want to be a part of you they want to be in your community then that's where you have to master the f word and that is my favorite word (laughs) yeah and that is funnels for us in so rich woman of course it's fabulous freedom financial independence independence yeah And a happy family. But for the online world, you have to master F word called funnels. And that is where you can put it into your system and kind of nurture them. Think about baby fishes, right? Baby clients coming in, you know, and then nurturing them to really grow and then getting from cold to warm and then too hot. Because people are not going to buy from you a $5,000 product or services. Yeah, the biggest mistake that people make, Tudor, people say that, oh, you know, you got to uh, sell this vacuum cleaner and it cost them $3,500 to sell them this product. But if you can't even get them to say yes to you to the 10 ways to use the vacuum cleaner, for yeah. example, <laughs> to clean your home without... Uh, to save four hours in your cleaning, for example, and, you know, download this cheat sheet. Uh, If you didn't let me even say yes to you, having a small agreement, I think that is going to be different for the situation for the business owner who is doing online.
0: Yeah. No, it's so important because online you do, I mean, even in person, it's important to build rapport and trust and relationships. I mean, really it's not even about the sale. It's about building the relationship. The relationship is what generates ongoing sales and advertising for free and everything like that. So I think you brought up something very important, which I want to touch on, which is this idea of sales and there's a difference between you know, Cause a lot of people, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, when you're doing sales, one of the biggest limiting beliefs or objections that everybody struggles with when they're selling something is, gosh, I feel like I'm selling, you know, I I don't want to feel like I'm selling something. And a big part of that is knowing that you're really delivering value versus feeling like you're pushing something, something down someone's throat. So how do you help people overcome that feeling of, oh my gosh, I, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm pushy or I'm selling, you know, I'm selling my thing, but really like, you, you know, sales need to happen obviously. So how do you overcome that mindset?
1: So I will do two things. First, I will do a fact presentation. F-A-C-T, fact, state of fact. So is it true that you have this NLP certification that you have took and paid for with your money? So the answer will be yes. Is it true that you have already gone through a journey launching 1,000 episodes of podcasting for your clients? The answer is yes. And then is it true that you already have the knowledge of what to do exactly inside out of helping your clients to do podcasting, transform their business and their brand. And the answer will be yes. So we do a fact presentation first. So list out facts about you that you have done before, the Mm. results you've gotten for yourself, for your business. Do that first. After you list out the facts, all the answers will most likely point to a yes. Then the next question will be, if then, if so, now that you have all these yeses and all these things that you have accumulated, then this knowledge, you can share it with someone else. You can promote it and help someone who is in the same position as you probably one year ago, 12 months ago to do exactly the same thing as what you are doing now. Would that be of value? The answer will usually be a Yes. If the answer is a yes, and when the answer is a yes, then we move on to the next question. Yeah, so if, if if that is of value, then why are you holding back? Then they will say, oh, I have a fear of success. You know, I'm I'm afraid of uh, people will judge me and people will say, uh, you know, that I'm salesy and things like that. So then the question to you will be, if I will show them this mantra, I deserve to be rich when I add value to other people's lives. Hmm. So I get them to repeat. I deserve to be rich when I add value to other people's lives. And I'll bring their attention to the word deserve. Yeah. D-E-S-E-R-V-E. Deserve. So when you serve, underscore the word serve, you deserve to be rich especially when you add value to other people's lives. So when they see that that mantra and they realize that, oh, you mean, you mean, kind of like a light bulb going off in their mind because they have never thought about when they serve and create an impact and value that they have already accumulated as a fact. It's not even a myth. It's not something that you created out of the blue. You read a textbook. It's not. You went through a journey, you went through your own experience and you put together something to help someone on the other side who were just like you many, many months ago, or years ago to be successful. And that is how we break through someone's mindset to go into the selling part. And then, of course, the last and final part will be giving them the process, this client to have a process to do a sales. For example, I will guide them to say, if you model after what works, would you think that you will be successful? If you had the opportunity to succeed on your first try, would that be of value to you? What would be worth to you if you were to be able to model after success, shortcut your success, and to be successful on your first try? And if time and money was not a problem, what is your dream? What is it that you want? And if I have a proven process for you, what is it that you want that I can help you to succeed by investing in yourself, by you investing in this? Hmm. So we have a process to Hmm. guide our clients through to, to look at that. So even when you are able to kind of first state effect about what you can do, number two, You really need to look at believing that you deserve to be rich or I deserve to be rich because when you serve, you are able to get rich, okay? The last but not least is to have a script where really have a process to know that by having this process, it allows you to help someone else exactly the same way as you. Just apply the same principles as whatever has worked for you into their business and guide them through.
0: You have an entirely remote team on your business, right? Yes, I
1: have a team of 21. That's right.
0: 21 people. And for people that don't understand what a remote team is, like, what is that? Can you explain it?
1: So a remote team is, it means that I am based in Singapore and I have team in the Philippines, in Indonesia, in Ireland, Dublin, in Malaysia as well so basically nobody works in physical side-by-side office my table next to yours I can see you you can see me offline everyone is online and everyone mm. is managed by two things in my business Asana, Asana which is a project management tool number two I talk to them over Skype so it's great to have a remote team I can be anywhere anytime
0: how did you, or how should somebody get started with a remote team? Like, when do you know it's time to get a remote team? And how, what are the places that you start first?
1: It's funny, Tudor. You know, a lot of people think, oh, delegating is for rich people. Delegating <laughs> is for successful people. Not delegating anymore. is for, you know, people who has made a million dollars. The answer is no, it doesn't work that way. Anyone today can have a remote team. As long Mm -hmm. as you're a solopreneur, a one-man show, one-woman show, it doesn't matter. You can have a remote team. Now, I think the key mindset here is sometimes people get stuck because they say they got no money to delegate because, oh, you know, I'm so new. I don't have the budget you know, they say it's so expensive. Think about it. I mean, if you go for movies, you go dining out on in restaurants, if you go for your manicure, pedicure, you go for massages, you buy things that you don't use online, then do you have $50 lying around somewhere? Definitely you have. So if just $50 as a week or $50 a month, you can get someone to start with the The task that you hate the most, for example, bookkeeping, that's the usual answer I always get from my clients and my community. Bookkeeping, oh my God, so boring, so difficult. And then (laughs) that is one. And outsource that $50 to that one person whom you can help you with bookkeeping or even just scheduling posts for your social media, right? $50 is all you need to get started. Then, Hmm. only then, when you see the value of delegating, then you reinvest back in your business by growing to $100 and then $150. And the one tip I want to give to you today will be list out the task, exactly what you don't like or you don't want to do. Don't think about hiring one person who is exactly like you. Nobody is gonna be exactly like you. Nobody mm. is gonna do it as good as you. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Give the one to three task to the VA, the virtual assistant or the remote team member, and get them started. Don't expect them to be a mind reader. Oh, you know, you do. You you can do social media. You can do everything for me. Uh. So what is social media? How social yeah. media looks like for you may not look like for the other person on the other side so I highly recommend you to break it down break down the task one bit at a time so you can go grab my uh, downloadable book for free if you would like to have that go grab uh, how to delegate 80% of your to-do list to your assistant so you can make money online while focusing on your zone of genius I feel that that's very important go grab that go grab that at soulrichwoman.com S-O-U-L-R-I-C-H-W-O-M-A-N dot com soulrichwoman.com because only when you start delegating the one task first get a feel of it a hang of it like does it feel good for you How, how to communicate with them online well I've said I've shared two tools with you All right, Asana and Skype if not then go grab my workbook I will teach you exactly how to take you through the first hiring your first virtual assistant first delegating out so that you can free up your time and really focus on top of your business and not be in a busyness.
0: What was one of the hardest things for you to delegate?
1: Oh, one of the things that is the hardest to delegate previously was my social media because I did everything mm. on my own. I mean, when I first started my like marketing
0: ad. Facebook ads and stuff yeah, or- Yeah, running,
1: running, no, not running Facebook ads. Facebook ads, I mainly- Um, did it myself even up to now i'm overseeing it so the the hands-on part was the social media part even just designing the poster knowing Mm. how your instagram is going to look like what kind of content goes out it was difficult because you know people don't know what you want right the design is not nice you know then the the way the caption is not correct so (laughs)
0: that
1: was the first piece that i outsourced many years ago in my business Because you talk about now, it's a different uh, piece altogether. But at the start, when I started from a one-woman show offline and I wanted to go online and I knew I had to delegate. And the first thing I delegated out was social media. But I mastered it. First, before I could delegate, because if I don't even know what I want, how then would the virtual assistant know exactly what I wanted to do, right? Mm. So the first thing was really, very difficult because for me, it was letting it go. The feeling of empowering someone else to do the work for you and consistently making mistakes made me feel that, hey, I can do it better than you. That yeah. sneaky <laughs> little voice in the in the head just keeps keeps telling you you know what, Janisha, you can do it better than them, you know. But I wanted more time to grow my business. If I had not delegated, I would have not have made my, my $100,000. I, I would not have made my first million dollars because yeah. there were so many things to do in the business operationally. You should really focus 20% in the business operationally and 80% sales and marketing. That's top not priority because sales and new clients and recurring clients are the bloodline of your entire business. Hmm. If you are not focusing on that, you are technically in stuck in your funnels and your website always. Just think about it. Who's going to bring in and put the money on the table? Isn't it?
0: Yeah. That's so true. With uh, the remote team, what was your hardest challenge that you have dealt with that i mean i imagine there's some there's some challenges with that that are pretty common for most people so what has been yours that you found oh
1: there's three i would say first is they yeah. pretend to be someone else they pretend <laughs> to be somebody that cat they are catfish <laughs> cat yeah i was catfished online and wow uh, they 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 say they will say they know a lot of things um mm. they will say that they will know a lot of skills and they're so good, they they deserve to be paid a thousand US, you know, that kind of of thing, right? But when you hand them a a task or a test, they they can't perform it, all right? And that's one thing. The second thing is they're not accountable. They say they're accountable, but come in late, they always disappear, they will always excuses. Oh, you know, today I'm sick, my grandmother is sick, my cat died, my dog died. (laughs) Always somebody. (laughs) There's always excuses on that one. And the other problem I also saw was that they their work was always pending. Mm. Like you give them a task, you have to give them a deadline, they were always pending. Like they also always have something like reason why they cannot complete. So I think these are telltale signs. And that's why it's important for you to, number one, hire slowly, fire quickly. That's my key learning in the online space. And number two, you really have to have your systems and process in place. A huge word, but I would boil it down to go get my workbook, really look at it, why I am so successful with building remote teams. It really comes down to you must know what you want before, even before you delegate out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's these are the two key learnings that I have.
0: How do you deal with, I mean, cause especially with a team, we have 21 people, that's a pretty pretty big team as far as I'm concerned. But you know, when you are dealing with training or corporate sort of morale, team morale, you know, having that sense of even discipline. I mean, how do you discipline somebody when they fail at something? Training meetings, regular meetings, how do you incorporate those into a remote team so that um, I guess it, that there's a sense of connection? You know, like when you go to a physical place uh, you know, obviously it's up to the the leader to, to create that space, but having a physical place, it allows for physical meetings and that human connection interaction, that kind of thing. And with online, like you said, you know, the catfish, it's, it's very easy for people to bring their personas. It's much easier for sure than, than real physical place. So how do you as a leader accommodate for that in, in creating a long sustainable team with people that are you know um that they buy into your vision that they they they're loyal i guess (laughs) as loyal as somebody can be so how do you how do you account for all that
1: i think first and foremost uh in your selection process you must set your criteria
0: Mm. i
1: think the the thing is that is that cannot run, that that part cannot be lazy. You cannot be lazy about telling them about your culture, who you yeah. are, and what you believe in. Because culture is the key that ties people together. And the other piece would be treating virtual assistants as, as human beings, as though they are sitting next to you. But just mm. that they are online in their own space. And the third thing I would say is also give and take. Give and take. Well, sometimes the places that they're at, you know, they, they have typhoons and sometimes they have flood, they yeah. have no electricity. And even my my team in Ireland, in Dublin, sometimes they have things going on over that side. So just be aware, give and take. I think all these factors come into play. So how do I create a culture um that connects with my entire team? And my longest staying BA as of now is about she's here about six, seven years already. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah correct and it's a long time yeah it's a long time so my VAs are all my team is all uh, full-timers I don't really hire part-timers and maybe two freelancers and that's about it Uh, because it the, the depends on how you communicate with them so here's a tip from me I think first thing always make them feel like they are a human being don't mm. treat them like do this do this do that like a dog or cat, you know, no, 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 yeah. they, they are not your dogs or cats. They are really human beings just on the other side of the computer. So treat them with respect and then give them a process to do a reporting for you. So like a, uh, you know, like a good morning report coming in, what are the things mm-hmm. they need to do? And then, Um, some tasks that need to be done and then at end of the day what is the end of the day report so things like that simple structure that allows people to fit and flow with you Mm -hmm. and I always call for a meeting the second thing that I do is I always call for a meeting every single week on the Monday so that helps everyone to uh, get alignment so like a staff meeting right alignment meeting last but not least I have a inter I use podcast quite differently so I have I've two podcasts one is called Soul Why that one's a solo um, podcast that I do that talk about business right and I have another one that's for women who love the F word that's another one. Interview style, and the third podcast I have is a private podcast that mm. I only do with my internal team. So I have I launch a weekly podcast episode with them. Not 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 like one hour long. Just five to ten minutes. I share yeah. how are you today. You know what's happened in the last week. You know this is my thoughts for this week. I would like to encourage you. Kind of like you think about attending church or going. Like a voice <laughs>
0: message sort of. Like, for like the a whole voice team.
1: message for the whole team. Yeah, like you encourage them. So I use podcasts publicly and also privately. Mm,
0: yeah. And
1: this method works uh, p- beautifully for me because uh, by, by having that connection with them and they know that you are here with them, even though you're busy and you're working on your things, they're busy working on their things, there's something mm-hmm. that ties in together. So that really helps actually.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine too, like the, that's actually a really good idea with the audio Cause audio is very intimate. I mean, it's, it's, you're listening to it. You're, you know, you feel close to the person. And so uh, that's, that's really cool. The, the five little five and you do that every day or once a week, the audio.
1: Uh, so the audio, I just do it once a week. I release once, once a week. A week. Yes. Gotcha.
0: And that's more kind of like your reflections more so than like a list of tasks. Or goals. Yes,
1: correct. This yeah, is more gotcha. like me personally, like chatting gotcha. with a friend, with a human being, my remote yeah. team. You know, this is the vision that I have. This is the story I had last week. This this client. What happened to this client? You know, and we we had like a VA who actually helped help them to do that. Uh, we also share stories about how, uh, you know, some some stories. Sometimes they do it not so correctly, and then someone complained, and then how mm-hmm. did we deal with it? So all these things are up part and parcel of letting people tune in and being mm. in sync with the culture.
0: That's cool. I like that a lot. I never heard anybody do that before, but that's a great, uh, that's a great technique. Love it. <laughs> well, let's talk about branding a little bit, because I think branding is a big one for marketing. and And certainly in the future, personal branding is, I think the future, everybody has their own personal brand. And what is that? You know, if people don't know what that is, if you can explain what's the difference between a personal brand and and a regular brand, we could start with (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Wow. That is a trick question. What is a regular brand? And what's a personal brand?
0: (laughs) That is a trick question, isn't it?
1: I think it can be summarized by what do you want to be known for? Hmm. That means if I were to think about that one thing, what do you want to be known for? Let me give you an example. What do you think of, just just the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: Branded cars. Branded cars.
1: Yeah. What was the first brand that comes to your mind?
0: Um, Ferrari comes to my mind. Yeah.
1: Okay. How about furniture?
0: Furniture? Uh, pff, I don't know. I haven't even bought furniture. Ikea, I guess. <laughs> it shows you where I shop. And,
1: yep. That's good. How about fast food?
0: McDonald's
1: That's right. That's usually the most answers that we get Ikea, Ferrari, and McDonald's. So That's depending funny. of course which region that we are in right and yeah. and the fact of the matter is what is the one word that you 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 want people to think of you, in that instant when you mention your name. <laughs> so mm. if you are able to create a personal brand so magnetic and so strong and so awesome and memorable, that's, that's when your business is gonna grow and gonna scale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is personal
0: brand for you, be memorable. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making in branding?
1: Too many things in one basket. Now, what? how does it look like? See, I was an image consultant. I was an occupational therapist. I'm a beauty queen. Wait, what else? Um, I started working when I was 14 years old and I run a cafe retail chain. You know, I make my first million dollars in 2013 and then now I run Soul Rich Woman. And I'm also an award-winning entrepreneur. That's eight things altogether. Yeah. Who will remember these eight things? <laughs> Nobody will remember such so many things about me, right? Right. So that is why, even though when I was running my cafe retail chain business, I never put that in my branding. Mm. Even though I had grown into three countries, we had eighteen franchisees. We are like the Starbucks in in Asia, but we we didn't. I didn't like put it out there in my social media. Oh, you know, Janisha is a cafe retail chain owner and blah blah blah. I did not move in that direction. What I did was, I said. I am a business strategist with a cafe retail chain experience. Mm. So what is it that you want to sell first, right? What is it that you want to market yourself first? So a technique here I want to share for you and with you will be tie in a common theme. Common theme in all the hats that you are wearing. Kind of chunk up into that level where what is that you want to be known for? Are you a thought leader? Are you an influencer? Are you a business owner? So I've I've always wanted to, to be a business owner, right? And and maybe a thought leader. So that's why I put myself out there. You know, was doing a lot of coaching and mentoring. So my business strategist part, uh, business mentor part was one of my main and key branding that I chose to build over the many years, even though I transited out of occupational therapy, which is in healthcare, I'm a frontliner, to an image consultant, which was beauty and wellness, Hmm. and then transited into cafe retail chain business and doing online business at the same time. So how then did all these things come into play? So basically, personal branding has got primary, tertiary, and secondary So the primary personal branding will be whatever that you want to be known for now. So that's what I'm known for now, business mentor, right? And running Soul Rich Woman. The the secondary branding will be my cafe retail chain. My tertiary branding will be my beauty queen title, my image consultancy, and my occupational therapy life, blah, blah, blah. So that Mm -hmm. in itself will allow you to tell a story online knowing which key pieces you need to focus on consistently and majorly, I would say 80% of the time, and 20% talk about your secondary and tertiary um, branding. So Hmm. that would give you a perspective how you should spend your time managing your story, telling your personal brand in the online space.
0: Hmm. That's good. What about authenticity? I mean, how do you how do you help people become, what does it mean to you? First off, what does it mean to you to be authentic? And I think uh, that's a big one, especially for marketing and telling a story. And how do you help people be authentic? I mean, it's such an open question, but I mean, really like, how do you help somebody be authentic with themselves so they can be authentic with other people?
1: I think, doesn't mean that you are authentic with yourself, means that you can be authentic with people. I think Mm. that two in two doesn't really put together because we've seen people catfishing people online, right? So it doesn't have to be that. So I think this equation doesn't really gel. But Mm -hmm. what I believe in is that when you are going online and you're not sure of what to do, you really have to choose, like I said, remember, choose the primary piece of personal branding that you have one thing that really can help to solve that one problem immediately. So start from that space and then work outwards to that end and goal that you have in your mind. So by being authentic, which is such a huge word, of course you said it's by being yourself, but you know, nobody sees inner beauty. Do you agree? Mm,
0: yeah. It's
1: like when you say that, oh, Take you know, some time. <laughs> just be yourself, go be yourself. That, I mean, that's the funny part when even when I was doing image consultancy, people say, oh, you know, I... I was coaching uh, dating some of the dating agencies. They hire me in for the coaching part. Mm -hmm. It was quite funny. The guys will say, no, you know, they can see my inner beauty. I don't need to dress up. I don't don't have to need to have the first impression. And then the ladies will say, the man should love me for who I am, you know, and not, I, I don't really need to do that part of if, to put on makeup i don't like to on makeup why should i do that right so it goes with the men and the women as well so it's quite funny so having that story being shared with you just apply it back to your business right now nobody will know what you do and who you are by telling them oh they should get to know me better <laughs> in the online world it only takes six seconds to determine whether they like you or if they don't like you mm-hmm whether they should continue to click on the button or they click on the X sign at the corner where they say close or end the session. So it's important if you want people to uh, know you and like you and trust you, consistency, number one, is the Mm. important factor. I was just going to ask you about that. (laughs) You read my mind consistency is definitely one of the key factors to lead into being authentic because who's going to be fake for so long, right? You can you can mm. fake all you want, but how long can you fake? Eventually the mask will wear off. So the more consistent you are, even though it can be boring to people, like why do you, why do you keep talking about similar things?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the consistency part doesn't mean you have to be boring. So I just want to share another technique with you. Find 10 ways to talk about the same thing of that one thing find the 10 ways to talk about the same thing of that one thing Hmm. and that will help you to build your authenticity online by being you and being able to make the first impression getting people to click on the button getting people to say yes to you without you chasing after them
0: Hmm. that's good When you say find 10 ways to talk about one thing, uh, are you talking about repurposing as well? Like repurposing content to...
1: Yes, that's right. So I talk about repurposing. I talk about finding different pieces or perspective to tell Mm -hmm. a story or to talk about the work that you are doing.
0: Yeah, rather than trying to create something new all the time, you can just show a different dimension to something you already know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been in business for... 17 years, tell me talking about same thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to me, especially when you're in the business of teaching people, especially like the basics, you know, you, you, you sound like a broken record sometimes, but it's every time you're talking about it, it's slightly different and it's also a different audience. It's a new person who hasn't heard it before, you know? So it's a, it's always a good practice in what we know. So,
1: yes. In fact, uh, like the one-day programs I was sharing with you that we have in our uh, organization is one of the programs that is um, approved by the Singapore government. And Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have four programs, in fact. So one is podcasting. It's a one-day program to create an online course, live streaming, and digital marketing. So it's all one day. It's $500. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a training allowance that the government has provided Singapore citizens to attend the training. Right. So there's a subsidy for it. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because it's it's boring to do the same thing over and over again. You know, we've helped about hundred thousand Singaporeans to go from offline to online with our four programs. But wow. the four foot niche, I would say that repeated process is something that is a successful business doesn't have to be complicated. That's my point. The point mm. is it, every doing business is easy. It's not all the drama and the rara. It doesn't need to have that. Yeah, I mean, you can have some fun, exciting moments, but business in itself with systems and processes is a day-in, day-out, day-in, day-out thing that you must do. And if you hate all the mundane things and you are like a CEO and you like exciting stuff, hire the managers in, hire your team members in to do the boring work for you so that the processes run while you do the creative part.
0: Yeah. Your uh, Soul Rich Woman program, that's one of the, you, you mentioned 200,000 people you have that are members in that. That's that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's right. How $12 long? a month.
0: That's that's amazing. How long have you been doing that? Five years. Five years. Yeah. And what's, I mean, what has been your strategy to grow that? Because I, I can imagine, especially to go, well, oh, when you first started, how many people were part of it? Let's put it that way. When you first started
1: zero, the, zero.
0: Crickets, <laughs> the, crickets. The,
1: the crickets the cockroaches and the rats <laughs> nice you got some
0: good music in there
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we all start from zero and then right, i yeah. mastered the, the
0: f word what were some of the things that you did to grow it to being so su- successful in five years you
1: really must run um, you really must have your funnels to nurture your fishes or your mm. um, community and, um, uh, I mastered also the Facebook ads. So that yeah. really helped to get people in to know you because you have to grow the people, right? You cannot depend on the five thousand followers you have on a Facebook. Hello, Facebook algorithm keep changing. Yeah. LinkedIn <laughs> just changed. Instagram just updated. Now there's TikTok. You know, there's so many things. Oh, yeah. and And I used to do a lot of live streaming as well. I was on Mercat which no longer exists, you know, on Periscope. So those were the days where we use a lot of live streaming as well to engage with our people. And that's one of the other ways that I build authenticity and trust with the community in order to grow. Because when they see you every single day and they see you every single week and it's live and they can interact with you in person, and that really helps to build trust as well. Mm-hmm. So I think in the online space, especially for women, uh, for me in Asia, I would say building known like Trust Score to be loved, found and respected is
0: key to my success to hmm. grow to where I am today. What's the Soul Rich, where did you get that name from? What's it mean to you?
1: Well, Soul Rich Woman simply means that a person must be aligned, mind, body and soul truly to be able to grow and flow. And the rich part is that when you are aligned, you can be rich in your asset rich in your wealth and rich in your in-person right and then you can give when your cup is full and overflowing and that's when you can give you can't give from an empty cup for me why i did so rich woman as a legacy business at this very moment is because when i was running my cafe retail chain i was based in indonesia i was running the franchise business overseeing the market in indonesia for two years and we exited to a public listed company after four years. So my entire cafe retail chain, we exited. So we cash out, right? During the time I was running a cafe retail chain, I was not happy. You see, I'm an occupational therapist. I had no business knowledge. I didn't even know how to make coffee. So I had to <laughs> learn how to become a barista. Yeah, I, do. Wow. I was a barista. I had to get my certificate in barista. Yes, there's a certificate in barista.
0: Oh yeah, there's a lot of training for those, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you have to learn about coffee to do the coffee business, right? Oh, yeah. And I was not happy because even though I was successful, I had all the money in the world, but I just felt that something was not fulfilled within me in my soul. Hmm. So business was great. I learned about business, but soul was not happy. Hmm. So I was already moonlighting outside of my working hours for my Soul, that mean something that was outside of my current cafe management hours. I was doing something related to Soul Rich Woman. So when we exited, I was like, yes, please exit. You know, let me cash out my money. <laughs> Let's mm. go. And then that's how I got started with Soul Rich Woman and came up with the name Soul Rich Woman. Because I, I knew that for, for a person to make money, to live their life, to love the F word, fabulous, freedom, financial independence, and a happy family... That in itself only has a possibility of manifesting when the soul is aligned, the soul Mm. is happy, the soul is rich, and that's how it goes outwards.
0: What do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing female entrepreneurs specifically today that you found with doing Soul Rich Woman?
1: We all start at the same line on the running track. The end line is the same, but the in-between obstacles, like the, you know, the things that you have to jump over is quite mm-hmm. different. So I've seen um, like a guy, my, my clients, some of them, they, they just have maybe a book. Uh, they have their colleagues, their bosses in front of them. And mm-hmm. maybe some of other things that is in front of them. But for a woman, there's children, there's the husband, the household chores, the cooking, the cleaning, um, the children's homework, the children's education. There's like 101 things even before they arrive at the end and goal you know of what mm. they want to do their dreams so this was one of the key problems that i see in the women we we coach and we mentor in the community they would say that they want the effort, they want financial independence they want to be fabulous they want to live their life again but when time comes they will say oh i need to go back and take care of my children now oh i need to and i, I need to I need to go home and cook. I need to do this. I need to do that. So there's a lot of I need to in their languaging, in their thoughts. So mm. they've already placed this, themselves last in the equation of their dreams. Because Asian culture is family first, right? Here in itself, we don't move out at 18 years old. We we Basically, if we can four generations in one household, you are considered like the A-list in Asian culture. Okay, this yeah. is Asian culture <laughs> for you. All right, If you are married and you have your, if you stay with your mother, your mother lives in with you, you are A-star uh, uh, children. All right. So that's how yeah. the culture is in Asia. So family first. So anything related to family first. So we had problems, you know, addressing this between culture and business. Right. So the only way to do that is to really set their expectations. Right. And that's why I coined the F word fabulous freedom financial independence and happy family and you can choose what is the effort that you want to achieve mm. and and not everyone wants to make a million dollars right it could be just making a $1000 or $5000 or $10000 a month and they will be happy with just that so work with that big uh, what with the outcome that they want first choose the effort number 2 pick a number like okay how much do you want to make don't tell me you want to make a million dollars because if you spend 80 percent of the time taking care of the family, 20% of the time is not going to make you a million dollars. Correct. Hmm. So it's important for you to choose uh, a number that you think that you can accomplish with 20% of your time. Then the last part is to really just hustle in the 20% of your time and just do it and get it out. So that's how we take them through the process.
0: That's great. What have you enjoyed most about this program that you've put together?
1: So rich woman, what I've most enjoyed. For me, it's the satisfaction of seeing them being and owning their effort. It is because success is not about glorious wins. It's never about that. It's about taking a step back and allowing them to leap off and jump off your shoulders to the next level easily with the shortcut that you've provided for them. Because when I first started going online, I had to buy so many programs. I have to purchase so many online programs, find so many different teachers to learn from in order to put together something for myself to be good online. So when I look at how we have shortcut it for our audience, for our people, remember, love your people more than you love your products. Mm -hmm. Mm. That is key, all right? That's why we created a Even, you know, our subscription when I first started, we were charging like, um, because we're serving international market as well. So I was using, based on what I was doing, I was basing it on a certain benchmark. So I was charging like uh, $300 US a year for a membership program. But after that, it didn't work out so well. You know, there was mm. a few few signups and there's those hiccups and things like that. And I realized that you know the market that we are serving, who are you serving, who are you helping, and that is important. So we started the twelve dollars a month, and then we progressed. So all these things would not have been possible if not from me us walking the ground we don't just do online online uh, for the last three years i've been traveling and i was not based in singapore actually i was like three weeks i'm in vietnam three weeks i'm in uh, jakarta three weeks i'm in kuala Lumpur. Uh, three weeks i'll be in myanmar Yangon. i'll be in cambodia so i'm, I'm always on the move on the ground working with partners in the local communities as well to help them to use our programs because the licensing programs that we have as well for these communities and and then they can download from the online world, right? So so the offline part really helped me to understand at every country, localization is important and making, making it into context. So don't generalize everything at the top because online, anybody can purchase their program, but uh, localization will Definitely help you to grow. That's why our two we have two hundred thousand members because we localize it and we help them to grow.
0: That's amazing and congratulations on that and more power forward. That's that's awesome. Oh, thank you. What are you most grateful for today?
1: I am most grateful for my health. I think I think to be to be healthy and happy because I mean look at the pandemic has happened. I've been through yeah. SARS. 2003 and 2004 oh, wow. I was an occupational therapist Working in the hospital And I was like Okay Am I going to die? Because SARS is faster than COVID You know Yeah, yeah. So Really What is life to you? And what is health for you? Hmm. So don't neglect your health No matter what business you're doing Be happy And stay healthy
0: Right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. You know, such a pleasure to have somebody with so much experience on the show. And today more than ever, we have an opportunity to take control of our lives, our freedom really, and to shape our destiny through commanding the power of the internet. And the internet is the future and learning how to leverage communication and business and marketing and branding, all these wonderful things that allow us to ultimately express who we are and contribute to the world and Obviously, get paid in return. Get value back in return. Give value and get value. It's the exchange. It's creating that. That's what real abundance is, is the exchange of value. If you want to get in touch with Genesia, go to soulrichwoman.com. Don't forget, it's episode 233. a I am going to post the link on the show notes for this. If you want to get in touch with her and really go to the next level, get some coaching for a discovery call, I'm going to post all that stuff in the show notes post for this. As always, thank you so much for listening, guys. Let's not forget our quote from Steve Maraboli. Happiness is not the absence of problems, it is the ability to deal with them. You know, life will always be filled with challenges, but it's our ability to deal with those challenges that really makes the difference, isn't it? This is what dance your way through life means to me. I always say that phrase, and certainly I wrote a book about it, and that's that's really what it means. It's You know, problems are never-ending. It, there's always something. <laughs> as soon as you feel like it's a giant whack-a-mole game, as soon as you feel like you've fixed one area of your life, uh, there's another one that pops up short, shortly, close after. So it's really about our ability to move gracefully, not just move, but to move gracefully, not haphazardly, but gracefully through life's many challenges. And that's that's a good thing to close with. So I'll leave it at that. See you guys on Tuesday for a little Tuesday Transformation. We're going to be continuing uh, all this momentum with online marketing and business. And next week, I'm going to be diving in with Dr. Jackie Nolke. She's an online marketing expert on all things marketing. we gonna be getting nitty gritty on funnels, opt-ins, strategies, email blasts, you know, Facebook ads, everything that is relevant for online business. Like I said, the last couple of weeks have been, if you're just joining us, but the last couple of weeks have been really focused on business. I've had a lot of great great people in this field come by. So I'm very blessed to be able to interview them and learn as well. But on Tuesday, I'm gonna be sharing some simple online marketing strategies that are just some basics. If you're new to this, if you have a side hustle, if you're curious to learn some things that have been useful for me, I'm gonna be sharing those on Tuesday. And make sure you don't miss my interview with Dr. Jackie on Friday. A lot of great stuff, really all the detailed stuff. So if you know anybody also who is wanting to learn more about the online marketing space, and online marketing strategies or find some resources, make sure you tune in on Friday and you let them know. So we'll see you then. Until then, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, Stay connected at danceoflife.com.